Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Did you catch that? Oh, I was doing a little jig over here on my end. Oh, well, first off, welcome into I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. This is episode 19. We're ill-prepared for this, but you know what, Tom? My daughter competes for a state title tomorrow in cheerleading. They have oh, never nice. done that. Yeah, nice. It's in Birmingham, or it's in Bessemer, and uh, they have never done it. Russell has never done competitive cheer, and they did it this year. And they, uh, let's see, they, they won regionals, and... Then Pike Road, who actually won 5A football, their cheerleaders beat them out for it was really weird. It was a it was the Saturday of um, of Georgia Florida, and it was a bunch of different squads there. And Russell finished second to Pike Road, but then at regionals, uh, Pike Road went to Montgomery or Mobile or Montgomery, I think Mobile, and they won their region. But then Russell won our region. And they didn't just smash us. It was it, it was not an SEC championship game score, mind you. It's more like an Alabama-Auburn score. So, yeah, it's a legitimate shot. They can bring home the blue map. So, that's why we're recording tonight on very short notice. But Yeah, I the, heard they got a last-second herky in to win the last match. That <laughs> was a herky. <laughs> Is that even a thing now? Isn't but, it a herky? <laughs> but the the song you just heard, of course, Bad Boys for Life, and it was Gronkowski and Brady. They did it, I guess, at New England when they were on their third or fourth Super Bowl together, and then they go to Tampa and they do they recreate it. So, uh, and you can if you've ever seen it, you can picture them. You know, they're walking and like, mm, I, you know, we don't know, we're just that good, and that's kind of where Bama is, man. We, you know, I, me included, did not really think we would win. I knew we could win. I, I hope I did not re-listen to our our podcast uh, from last Monday, but I don't think you and I were just doom and gloom. We just felt like we were not the better team. Is that a fair assessment? I hope that's what came across. Well, I think we were very very realistic in in how we had been playing versus how Georgia had been playing. But I think, if I recall, I don't think either one of us made a prediction for the game. I don't remember us making prediction for the game. Uh, I picked Georgia minus six and a half, but I hedged that because I had Mel oh, oh, in the SEC. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's right. You you you, you picked them j- solely because you went on. Uh, you you had them as one of your games of the week. But as far as 
as far as us talking about the game and predicting who will win the game, usually, you know, we have a score or something out there. And I think I've refrained from that. And I think you did initially, but then you <laughs> and your wagers, that's correct, you put it in there. But I only, I only mentioned that to say I felt – I felt very nervous, obviously, but I felt like we could win the game. We said that, that we could win the game. I, I felt better and better about the game as the week went on, basically hearing everybody that said we had no shot. And I really liked the fact that the Vegas line was as low as it was, particularly after Auburn showing. Um, the line didn't jump up there. And I was with uh, one of my buds that I play golf with on Friday, and I mentioned to him, I said, hey, I hadn't told anybody this, but I'm feeling really good about tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what hole was this on and how many beers did you have? <laughs> That is not important. <laughs> <laughs> if it's on the front nine, I'm impressed by that revelation. If you were 12 or farther, no, no not, not concerned in the least. <laughs> but what a game. Yep, yep, it was. Um, and, you know, when I, I – I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast, but, you know, I've talked football with you, talked football with Gober and a number of other people. And I know I told at least one person this. It was an odd odd game because I'm like, we could win or we could get blown out. Because And, man, I tell you, early on, you know, Georgia were kind of filling each other out, kind of, kind of like a, a blind man at an orgy. We had to fill our way out the first few minutes. <laughs> and – so, you know, we trade punts, I think, and then they get they tack on a field goal, get a big sack from Dallas Turner and hold them to a field goal. And then we go – you know what? We didn't go three and out, I don't think, because you know how many three and outs we had the entire game? Uh, maybe one or two. One. Maybe. We had one. Was it one? Yeah. That's impressive, man. It was. Against it was. that defense. But regardless, we, we give the ball back to them via a punt, and we down it inside the five, I think. Yeah, we down it inside the five because – they get a procedure penalty, that the dreaded procedure penalty, half the distance to the goal, repeat the down that was a two-yard penalty instead of the normal five yards. And then they commence to run it and throw it right down the field on us. And they go up 10 nothing. I'm like, man, this is not what we you – know, this is kind of the worst nightmare. But after that, it was all us. I mean, it, it was, really was. We scored five straight possessions after going down 10 nothing. Yeah. It was awesome. It, it was just it, – it was. It was a great game, and I hate that we have lost eight for the playoffs. But, hey, it's next man up. You know, we scored a touchdown uh, after halftime without him. We we scored and we beat Auburn without Jamison Williams, uh, you know, the, the previous week. So, it, they are Batman and Robin, but we can get it done, especially against the, the opponent we're going to be playing First, and you know we'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm glad that we got the buy yet again this year. We, unfor- you know, the only thing, and I well, I'll rant and rave. I'm gonna save my ranting and raving for when we get to that. But back to the game. I mean, you know, we always talk about kids who writ their name in crimson flame. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Bama fan, you know that's part of our fight song. You know it. But if you're not a Bama fan, that you know our fight song is who who writ their name in crimson flame and Tua and Smitty, they writ, when they writ their name in Crimson Flame, of course, was second and 26. Leatherwood was in on that play. And uh, Najee and Calvin Ridley, you know, he converted the fourth down that we had to have. And, uh, you know, 
B-Rob, if he had not already writ his name in Crimson Flame, he did uh, last night because he was hobbled and he played and he played he played well and we ran the ball better than than I thought we would, you know. But when they they're impressive on the defensive line. When they break through and they get their bear claws on you, you go down and you go down hard. I mean, there's a few times, and specifically it was Trey Sanders. He just does not have the mobility that he's had, I guess, pre-injury. You know, it was like they get him and then they would just fall straight to the ground, and that, that had to uh, to be pretty painful. But but I was we, – we ran it better than I had hoped for, to be honest. I think we converted one – I figure our longest run was about 13 to 15 yards, and it was B. Rob, and it was it was a pretty good. Well, by the by, by running back, Bryce had a couple of runs over that. Well, you know, I had that exact point wrote down, which was on the night George only had 109 rushing yards. We only had 115, but I'm exactly like you. I thought we'd run the ball well. Uh, I thought we run it. I guess at the correct time and got crucial yards and for 40 of that 115 we had was from bryce like you alluded to that only left 75 yards on the ground for both b rob and uh trey and yet you and i both have the same opinion that those were valuable 75 yards and i i think they were well earned 75 yards and timely very timely. I thought I thought we did a wonderful job on the on the ground. Yeah, I just pulled it up here. B. Rob's longest run fifteen. Bryce Young's longest run fifteen. Trey Sanders' longest run fourteen. So, you know, you're that's not... why he's second string. <laughs> that, that is it. <laughs> but uh, you know, some takeaways from the game as well. Ninety nine for Georgia. Jordan Davis. We talked about him. In previous podcasts, you know, I, I was shocked to learn that the, the guy's 26, and I still I didn't do any research as to why. Did he go military? Did he just not go to college straight out of high school? I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but uh, did did that music just come through on uh, on? You, you didn't hear music right then, did you? I did not. All right, I'm on. It's in your e- head, sir. I'm on ESPN. It's in my headphones. I'm on ESPN.com, and it was uh, Hall and Oates. What you want? What I want you got? <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought I thought you were playing something, but you know, he was un- very unimpressive. They were trying to push him for the Heisman, and he was just very unimpressive. Well, I'll be honest with you. That's the first time that I've seen a Georgia game this year from beginning to end. And that says something about Georgia being as good as they were all year because it wasn't about to sit there and watch a uh, another team besides Alabama in a route. And that's basically what they were all year was in a route. But this is the first time that I saw them from beginning to end. And I paid a lot of attention to their defensive line, obviously, because of all the hype they got. And uh, <laughs> comically, they showed that replay the one time where well, Bryce was back to pass. Well, heck, if Bryce drops back to pass and Jordan Davis is in there, he quits. Yeah. He, yeah. he just stands there. He's got <laughs> – no. I mean, he just doesn't even try to go in there. He puts his hands out to act like he's doing something and kind of chops his feet a little bit like Saban does with that duck in that Geico commercial. <laughs> and, and that's all he does. That's it. And I, I, I felt like that was a little bit comical, and and then I went and and looked up his stats. Do you know he's only got eight quarterback hur- hurries on the year? 
man, to, to hear the pundits talk, I, you know, I thought he had Will Anderson numbers. Yeah, know? I mean, they've played as, as many – well, I say as many. They have played way more cupcakes than we have. You know, they've got their, their traditional two or three directional schools, but they also got to pick up the Vanderbilts and the South Carolinas and the weaker East teams this year, plus out-of-conference Georgia Tech that that didn't really have much. And and through all those weak teams, eight hurry, you could get eight hurries in one game if you were hustling. I think Will Anderson probably has. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Jamison Williams – did not disappoint. I mean, the fastest guy, possibly the fastest guy in the SEC. And, went, you know, that was huge is – I don't know if I said it here. Like I said, I, I guess the listeners are going to get tired. Well, you need to listen to your podcast so you know exactly what you said. But to, when I finally – people were asking me about it and on text. And uh, I got a few friends that they only text in big games. I mean, I heard from them last week and I heard from them this week. And that's fine. There's no animosity there. It's just we don't, we don't text during – you know, Bama, even Bama LSU, we just don't really text. We text Bama Auburn and then Bama uh, ACC championship game and then playoffs. And, you know, what I'm asking me what my gut feel was, and I said, well, I don't know. I, you know, we're not the better team on paper, and the light, the correct team is favored. I said, but here's my, – my, my hope is this. I hope we go, get, you know, go up 7 nothing. And then hold them, get a punt, and then I'm not going to get greedy. Let's just get three. Let's just make it 10 nothing, and let's let them sweat a little bit, and let's see what happens. And the exact opposite happened. Like, you you have to be – you have to wonder where Georgia's mentality is after this game because they got whipped. You know, we didn't get – we didn't – you know, they didn't snap the ball over the quarterback's head and us recover in the end zone for a touchdown, which would be, you know, that would have nothing to do with their defense. We didn't return a punt, which would have nothing to do with their defense. We didn't get, uh, you know, we didn't block a a punt. We did get a pick six, but we didn't block a punt. Like, we whipped them, and we whipped them after they went up 10-0. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to playing them again. I hope we don't have to play them, uh, uh, you know, for the title. But mentally, we're going to have the edge over them. Now, motivationally, they'll have the edge on us. But mentally, we're going to be – they don't think they can beat us. And that's one thing I did say a number of times. I said it when we did the preseason because I had Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC. I said it five, six, seven weeks ago, and I said it last week or the week before, is when, when it comes down to it and the ball is teed up, Bama really feels like we – our players feel like we can win the program. More so than the players, just the program from the head coach down, we know that we can beat them. And their program from from their head coach down, they hope they can beat us. And I think you saw that last night. I think you're exactly right. And you have. You have have mentioned that all year. You mentioned that in the preseason, during this season, and on through. And and to further that point – and then much to the chagrin of the, the Florida, I mean, the Georgia fans and, and their team, they once again, and it's hard to believe that they've done this, but I think they have done it four straight times. They've had a double-digit lead on us. Yeah. 10 nothing again and, and a race. Now, this one was not a late lead, a second-half lead like they, they have been used to getting, but uh, 
But, you know, they, they did. They had another double-digit lead that they could not hang on to, and this one got away from them early, of course. But uh, still, the, the point still stands, and, you, and you're 100%. There is a mental edge there on whether or not you can you can beat a team that's been your Achilles heel all these years, particularly particularly in a year where, and, and this, is, this has got thrown around a lot. Two years ago, Joe Burrow and LSU, oh my gosh, this is the greatest college team ever, you know, whatever. And, and then next year, Alabama follows it up with, with a, a, a more impressive season, playing only SEC teams and blowing out everybody in the in the playoffs. Not even a close game on the, on the schedule, just, just craziness. So the, uh, Alabama's the best team ever. Come into this season, you, you, you wouldn't think you'd have – a third consecutive argument, but that's what people were saying. Oh my gosh, this Georgia defense, I've never seen anything like it, particularly in the era of the great offenses. This may be the greatest college defense we've ever seen. This is, And to have that type of team in this position and to actually, actually be a favorite, and not only – and I've heard this – from a couple people, and there may be some merit to it, that Georgia was sitting there already locked into the playoffs. And how much did that have to do with their mental ability in the game to stay focused, knowing that they were already in? Well, I'd kind of take the opposite stance there because at Georgia's point in time, and Alabama being their Achilles heel, they had an opportunity here to wipe us out, to not have to face us again. They could end it once and for all. And if we're out, they're they're looking at likely a Cincinnati and a Notre Dame and a Michigan. Now, Michigan obviously looks like the most formidable foe out there, but they – They've put themselves in cakewalk territory. They wanted that game Saturday. They needed that game. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not listening to that at all from any of their fans. They they wanted to beat us. Like you said, they could have knocked us out. But you know what? When it was 31 to all right, let's see, we went up 24 to 17. It's 31 to 17 after we score. And then we kind of go back and forth, back and forth, nobody scores. That that score holds for a solid, I'd say, six or seven clock minutes. I don't remember exactly. At least, yes. And I, I text Daryl or called Daryl or my dad or maybe both, and I said, we're in. I said, we're in. It doesn't matter. At this point, we're, we have scored. We have done something to the number one team in the country the unquestioned number one team in the country since we lost to A&M. They've been getting every vote every week. And we've done something that no one else has done. If they come back and beat us 38-31, to 31, we're fine. We're, we're in. They're, and they were going to leave us at three to, to avoid the rematch. But, yeah, if they beat us, if they beat us uh, handily, the, the playoffs are Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Cincinnati three, Notre Dame four. Oh, to feast on the Notre Dame cupcake. We've done it. Clemson's done it. It's glorious. It is such a good feeling knowing you've got Notre Dame in the the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you, you just that you you have a golden ticket into the finals. Uh, you know, quick, yeah, go ahead. I was to say it's funny you say that. I meant, I meant to mention that a while ago when you when you were saying that you were texting them about 
being in, I had the exact same thoughts, the exact same thoughts. I was like, we've done enough. Even when we come back and lose this, mm-hmm. we should have enough. That's what I'm thinking. Now, who knows what or whether or not it would have happened. Who knows how the politics goes. But the thing that I was chuckling about, and you mentioned this a while ago, that you were you were texting with your buddies that, that only text you during big games, and then you, you're texting Gober and, and your dad during the game, whatnot. How many texts do we exchange during the the games, Tiffany. I don't think we did any, did we? <laughs> I don't ever text during the game. I, mean, I cannot. And, and, yeah, no, I, yeah, once just, we hadn't, once I realized you were not kind of in the, the text circle, I'm like, oh, yep, not going to jinx it. Not, not yeah, crossing that bridge. I just, I just don't do it. And Saturday, for some reason, I got, like you, where you get extra texts from big games, I was getting the same, and I'm sitting here, uh, sitting here on the couch with the guys. Now, if people are in the room with me, I talk constantly at the, yeah. at the game, whatever. I just don't lose, I, I don't go to the phone. It's just a, a mental, like you said, a mental jinx for me. I try to avoid it most most as I can, and I sat there, and it just chime, 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 chime. The game went over, and I finally said, "Oh, let me look at this phone." I had sixty nine sixty nine. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, so I apologize to you guys that I ignored for a couple of three or four hours, but uh, they they all know the reason. I, I think people were just sending me texts knowing I wasn't going to respond till after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, if you've never watched a game with Tom, beware. Because let me tell you something. If Bama's not playing well and you go to the restroom and we score, guess where you watch the rest of the game? From the restroom. That happened Saturday. You get your beer and your snacks brought to you, (laughs) but you you continue to watch the game in the restroom. So you have to be very careful to not go to the bathroom when there's the game action on because you'll you'll be stuck. Daryl has been stuck in the kitchen before. (laughs) (laughs) That that actually happened Saturday. Not that somebody was in the bathroom, but but I did have we went we went downstairs and had some snacks at halftime and there's a handful of us here and we get up there and 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 we sit down. We're getting ready to kick, and I look over, and and, and two of the guys had swapped chairs. I don't know which one of them <laughs> sat down first. I was like, guys, this is uh, this is not going to work. <laughs> we're, we we've got to fix this now. <laughs> and so I made them move to their appropriate seats for the second half. <laughs> Uh, quickly, let's wrap this game up. Uh, play of the game, gut feel. Play of the game. Uh, you want me to go first to give no, you a little well, bit of time? No, no, I just, okay. I'll, 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 I've got a couple things in mind, but let let me let, let me just mention, and not necessarily the play of the game, but I thought the the best game plan. This was the best game plan that Bill O'Brien had all year offensively. Yes, I think I think he listened to our podcast over the last three or four weeks, and I have mentioned that hey. Uh, we need to be throwing the ball on third and short. We need to be doing. We we need to just accept the fact that we're not a running team and we're not going to power over teams. And let's let's just let's go to our skills. Let's let's go to the dang game plan that that can get us where we need to be, regardless of how we get there. It doesn't have to be pretty at this point. We don't have to prove a point that we can overpower or we've got better personnel we just do what needs to be done to get the w on the board and i thought it was a masterful game plan as a matter of fact the first third down we faced 
in a half a yard, he threw it over the middle for about 15 yards. <laughs> Do you remember seeing that? Uh, and I was you like, know, yes. Gene Stallings is not happy with that play call. No, he was <laughs> Now, he got a second opportunity in the second half, and it was third one, and I was screaming again, throw it, throw it. And they actually run the ball and picked it up. Yeah, so, we got it. it was, but it I will was say good. this, for some reason, there in the fourth quarter again, he got out of he got out of that dang thing. We were trying to run a little clock, and I know we were, and he brought that dang fullback in again. I saw that, yeah. yeah. And it got <laughs> blowed up again for a negative play. It, it, it gets zero yards. They don't get anything on it. Just leave it in the pocket, dude. And and on the third and one where where we run for the first down, I have no problem with that. We're in the gun with the offset, and – we can go either way there. That that catches them off guard, and you get your running back running downhill, and that's I'm perfectly fine with that. So I thought the game plan was was really good. Um, as far as the play of the game goes, uh, that it's tough. But I honestly I think the the uh, third down play. When we were down 10 to nothing, third and one or two, and Jameson goes 75, I know it's a big play, but that's a one that tur- turned it. We're yeah. down 10 to nothing. They got all the momentum in the world. And all of a sudden, you know, people are wondering whether or not we can score on this team. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, Me just included. Just point blank. Yeah, can, <laughs> can we get one in the end zone? Can we get any in the end zone? You know, if we get one, can we get two or whatever? And then, bam, 75-yard touchdown where he just runs away from. He out-athletic oh, them. Absolutely. It, I mean, it was just bang. There was the, – here's your best defense in the country, and he's just trucking away from them. So, to me, that was a turning point, and, and that gets my vote. Uh, my play of the game is when Bryce fumbled and got it back, and unfortunately that Huge. is the same play that we lost Mechie. But yeah. think of the – I'm sure you've rewatched it, and I, I'm going to rewatch it after this podcast. But it's – I don't know what down it is, to be honest. I think it's third, and it's really pointless of what down it is. But we he takes off running. He gets hit. He fumbles. Okay, he gets it back. But look at where Georgia would have gotten the ball and how much time was left. There was a minute five left. It was a tie game, 17-17. We get the ball coming out of half. And we, we desperately need points to because we, we've – I mean, I'll take a tie, but, man, if we can get points and they get points coming out of halftime, we're going to be very tough to beat. And he wrestles that ball away from guys much bigger than him, and we go down and we and then he ends up running it in. So, to me, if, if he doesn't get that back, you know, maybe Georgia goes three and out. Maybe they throw a pick six, or maybe they hit – Bowers for, you know, and it was, oh, yeah, the, the yard line, it was going to be around the probably 25 to 30, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their full playbook would have been open with three timeouts. So, that, that to me, that gets play of the game. That was huge. It was huge. So, like I said, some people might disagree. I know, I know when I said that that was a play of the game, you kind of agreed, and you had a solid one too. Uh, another good one was uh, coming out of half. We did exactly what we needed to do. We moved the ball, uh, converted a few yards. I don't remember how the, exactly what the situation was, but then we went uh, – I don't even know if we went max protect, but, you know, they replayed the play and they stunted and we picked it up. Just I mean, just like an offensive line coach draws it up, He we engage with – our tackle engages with the end. He feels their tackle – switching and the end switching and they pass them off just beautifully give Bryce time we hit one on a go route I mean just hit him in stride Bryce Young's passes think about the passes he has thrown the past two weeks 
the one to Ja'Cory Brooks to put it into overtime, the one hitting Jamison Williams. And to me, the crossing route is probably one of the harder ones to hit in stride. It's yep. easy to hit a guy across the middle. I could go out there and do it right now, but the, the, the chances of me hitting someone to where they don't have to speed up or slow down, they're running at probably 75 to 80% of their speed. And to hit them in stride like Tua used to do and like Bryce did, just phenomenal. And then the bomb was just the dagger at that point. That's when we had made the playoffs. But speaking of Bryce, and uh, pretty sure we're going to take home some hardware this coming weekend. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the new Vegas odds after the game, minus thirty five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> the next closest guy plus two thousand. That's, that's what and, they call and that's the a business. Of lineman. That's what they call a slam dunk in the business. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, let me let me back up just a second though. You know, you mentioned something about scoring after halftime, and, and you're exactly right. But when we won the toss to begin of the game, and we deferred to the second half, I said when we come out, I was like, you know, this is perfect. This is, I, I like us coming out on defense, and it wasn't. It wasn't so much as us getting the ball in the second half. If you'd asked me before the game, I'd almost considered giving them the ball both times. <laughs> because I felt like our defense had an advantage over their offense, but I, I felt like their defense had, you know, might have an advantage over our offense. It was completely wrong. But um, <clears throat> but coming out in that second half and scoring in that opening drive to go up 14 – Absolutely, absolutely huge. Just, just crazy. But, but yeah, Bryce minus thirty five hundred. I don't. I, I can't imagine why any, anybody else could vote for this. This, in my opinion, could be one of the most lopsided votes. I mean, it should be. I was listening to the radio today. I, I try to get all the information I can when when Bama's good. Now, you know, I tell you what, I avoided talk radio last week because it just it wasn't pretty all the georgia fans were wolfing and they had every right to and i just i just couldn't stomach listening to to them talk about how bad they're going to beat us knowing that they most likely were correct but somebody mentioned kenny pickett they're like oh kenny pickett he plays for an acc school plays for pitt i believe and they're like well he you know he really threw his name in the hat last night okay so if we're gonna let the last weekend win the Heisman, which is what that guy was kind of tongue-in-cheek wanting to do, then I fully expect our offensive line to take home the Joe Moore Award, you know, the the award for best offensive line. That's the equivalent. Our line had played way over their heads, or maybe they just played beneath themselves all year. And like I I said all year on this podcast – we had issues. We still have issues. And, and we, you know, you don't lose Mechie and get better. Mechie has been logging minutes since Ruggs and Judy and Smith were there. So you don't lose a player like him and get better. But, you know, we're going to be okay. But we had issues. It, it, you know, it was either offensive line one week and then defensive backfield the next week. Then it was the linebackers one week. Then it was the running backs. And, you know, we put it all together. And I know that Georgia had some yards passing. They had some touchdown receptions. But how many blown coverages did we have last night? I can't think of none, any. None that I can think of. As a yeah. matter of fact, I jumped up and down, like I would mentioned a, a couple times already in the last few weeks. The passes they were catching, a lot of them, we were on them. Yeah. You know, he threw it, threw a pass to a big receiver, hoping that guy would go up and make a play, and he did. But he was covered. 
we had a guy there. So I, I, I don't, it's, it's, it sucks when it happens, but it's still, you, you, you're, you've got your guys in position to make a play and that's all you can ask of them. Yeah. We had three, at least three, if not four, pass interferences. So thank you, Bo Nix, for saying that Bama always gets the questionable calls going our way. Since he made that comment, it's like the SEC office, I really thought they would punish Auburn for that and say, well, yeah, we'll show you, bud. You need to keep your mouth shut. No, they've, they've done just what he, uh, the, what he intended them for, intended for them to do. They've been calling penalties, penalties on us, and one – he did. He he interfered one guy, but it was I think in the third quarter. It was uh, Georgia was going from right to left as you look on your screen, and they threw a deep ball. We didn't touch them. No, I know. Uh, outside of a little hand jostling, which I honestly I would not have called it. And if it was Bama receiver and Georgia defensive back, I would not have been upset if it wasn't called. I, I, that to me that's football. So, but but the main thing is we had had. <laughs> Against different teams, it was like, oh, my gosh. The, it was the Gus Malzahn, oh, my gosh, how is that guy so wide open? We had that once a game, and we didn't have it. We mm-hmm. put it together. We allowed zero sacks to Georgia and adequate running game, just just a complete team win. And that's what we had to have. And the thing is, we can play better. We played fantastic. I don't know that our quarterback can play better, but we can play, we can play better as a team – 31 had one sack and I think one tackle for loss. And I know Georgia's like, well, if we, you know, what's the chances if, if we play Bama again? What's the chances Bryce Young doing what he did? Well, maybe not that high. What's the chances you hold 31 in check again? Not that high. Trust me. <clears throat> here's, a, here's an interesting stat since you said that. If we do get to play them again, and this is not a great stat for us, and I, and I looked this up because I was thinking about it, but if we do get to play them again – there have only been 22 rematches in college football since they started keeping records of a regular season game and then meet again in a bowl game. And, of course, the playoffs is something completely different, but we've done it in the playoffs. Obviously, Alabama-LSU, guess what? The team that lost the first game won the second game in the Alabama-LSU mm-hmm. game. So went and looked and seen what the actual record is. The losers are 15-7 and seven in rematches, 15-7. Hmm. and seven. And out of the seven times that they lost again, five out of the seven, the game was closer than it was the first time they lost. Yeah. It's a very interesting stat, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, it is. Well, I think we have talked the the SEC championship game to death. Bama's 29th. It's hard to believe that I think when Saban came, we had 21 SEC championships, and he's won eight. Is that correct? And if I think that is correct, and he that means he's eight and one in Atlanta. That's just that's so hard to do because yeah, there's been a few years where we ha- we we did catch Missouri one year, and then we caught just a terrible Florida team. But we've also caught some Georgia teams that are just fantastic and some Florida teams that are just fantastic, and we've beaten them. And so hats off to to us being able to win in Atlanta in what was a home game, almost a home game for Georgia. You know, we talked about how almost. they had – they had, Well, I think it was 65-35. And a home game mm-hmm. usually is what, probably yeah. 90-10? Yeah, so. Not 85-15. So we had a, a decent amount of contingent there. But it, it was just like it was what it was going to be, and that's why they wanted so badly to get out of Birmingham. A, the weather, you know, 92 and 93. 92 was one of the coldest games I'd ever attended in 93. It rained the entire time. Mm. So after that, it made sense to move it to Atlanta. But the main reason they wanted to get out of Birmingham, they knew Bama was going to be a fixture, and they're like, yep, 
all those corporate tickets are going to go to Bama fans, and it's going to be 60-40, 65-35 every year you play them. And that's exactly what it was. So, you know, we we just did we, – we solidified our spot at number one. Um, eight, eight playoffs so far. We've made seven of them. Yeah. The yeah. year that the in the year that we were out, which is the year that LSU won it, you realize we went eleven and two that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went I eleven. Don't remember, and, if we had beaten Auburn, would we have slid in? I can't. I remember think we would have got. I think we might have got in. It was going to yeah. be one of those close ones, but I think we might have got in. But uh, eleven and two, and and those and those two losses combined were less than ten points, and one was against. The, the Joe Burrow team and the other one was, you know, Mac making his first start or or second start, I guess. First big game start at first Jordan Hare, which is on the know, road. Yeah. And, and and almost did it. He had some crazy stuff going on. We won't get back into that one, but lost by three down there. So uh yeah, I I'll take that. We make playoffs seven out of every eight years and, and our down years eleven and two. Come on. Yeah, I, I can I can stomach that. <laughs> so the playoffs are set now. We have and Chris Fowler was lobbying for Michigan to be number one. And you look at the way we stacked up. Granted, Texas A&M losing to LSU did us no favors. We really needed them to win that game to bolster that that loss, just in case we did lose. But we had a better strength of record, uh, a higher SOS, and. Also, we were seven and one or eight and one against top forty FPI, and Michigan was four and one. So we we had all the deciding factors, and it it was not going to be fair to. And I would have said this if if Georgia if we were both undefeated yesterday and both of us were guaranteed to be in the playoffs, I would it, it would have been totally unfair for the loser to drop to four and have to rematch the the very next game. It, and it's not unfair to to the loser. It's unfair to the winner. Like, we shouldn't have to play Georgia. We should have an opportunity to not have to play Georgia again and vice versa if they had beaten us and, and they have done that. So, putting Michigan at one, they would have had to put Georgia at four, and that would have been unfair to Michigan. So, they, they did the right thing. And, you know, us one, Michigan two, Georgia three, and Cincinnati four. And, you know, I – Tom, I, I owe everyone listening an apology. I said Cincinnati did not belong in the playoffs regardless of what happened. But since Bama's the number one seed, I'm damn glad they're in. <laughs> Their streak <laughs> the schedule is 87th. 87th. By far the weakest team on paper. Doesn't mean they can't beat us. We're 13 and a half point favorites. Doesn't mean they can't beat us. But by far the weakest team – on paper, and the only team I would rather play than them that had a legitimate shot to make the playoffs is Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they're 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 trash. They're always trash, and it just so happened that that you know Cincinnati beat them this year. You know, if Notre Dame would have beat Cincinnati, they would have been they would have they would have been number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they would have been. They would have been. And, and all right, so so let me let me just go th- this, and, and we haven't discussed this. Uh, on the podcast yet but what we plan to do is come back in uh likely a couple of weeks and do some pre-game breakdowns for the championship games and so on and so forth and, and some of the bowl games maybe even recap some interesting ones that have already played so uh but with that being said i did take a quick peek at cincinnati because yeah we've been lobbying for him to lose although i've 
predicted them to get in the playoffs since about week five, just just based on who they had left. But so they didn't make it. Um, and and your point stands. I think in the history of the playoff, eight years now running, they're definitely the weakest team to get there. Um, but they're not weak. They're the weakest playoff team, but they're not weak. I don't think they deserve to be there. I'd much rather be playing Cincinnati than I would be to play Ohio State or a rematch with Ole Miss or Oregon or Baylor. Yes, I'd much rather have an undefeated Cincinnati in there. But I did take a take a peek around the curtain today, and let me just let me just give you a, a few stats. That, you know they have some they have some weird inflated stats on scoring offense. They're ninth in scoring offense in the country, okay? Ninth. But I don't know how you can get to ninth when they have the 47th rated rushing offense and the 50th pass offense. It's it's strange. It's strange that they can score in the top 10 without having a top 20 rushing or passing offense. And again, keep in mind, this is against the competition of the AAC Plus Notre Dame. That's that's the entirety of their schedule. Oh, and Indiana too, Tom. They played Indiana when everybody thought Indiana was good. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. Rick Neuheisel. That's that's sort of the the the. I mean, they have good stats. Let's, they're ninth in scoring offense. They're fourth in scoring defense. They're seventh in total defense. They're first in pass efficiency defense. And I just give you the rushing and passing. But but let me. Let me tell you something that does not that that we should not overlook. And I know Saban won't, won't overlook it, but but this is something we as the Bama fans should not overlook in this game. What's the most important part of matchups in in these types of games? Cuz we're not going to have any common opponents. We can we can say all we want about ranks and scoring offense and defense and so on and so forth. But the the fact of the matter is, is we're playing at two different levels of competition. And so those, those numbers really don't equate a lot. But to me, one of the things that do equate is how many dudes do you have in your team? How many guys do you have that are getting ready to go to the NFL? Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, good, I think that's good legitimate. barometer. I went to look at the big board, which is which is traditionally the the best uh, projection of the upcoming NFL draft 2022. All right, Cincinnati has the number 26 projected pick in the draft, which is a cornerback, Gardner, which is one of the reasons why they're listed as first in pass efficiency defense. Now, this is interesting. This guy has only given up 96 receiving yards all year. That's tough. That's that's tough. And obviously, if we're down to 1A receiver, that's that's going to be Jamison uh, Williams crossed a bear, bear there without Mechie on the other side. So that's something to keep an eye on. They also have the 35th ranked draft choice quarterback Desmond Ritter interesting they also had the 47th ranked on the big board which is an edge rusher one of their defensive linemen those are the only three they have in the hundred you want to guess how many Bama has 
I'm going to say Evan Neal, Jamison Williams. Uh, Mechie might have been in there, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave him off since he's not going to play. And I'm going to say those two. We had five. Okay. I didn't I didn't write them all down, but we had five. Uh, and, and the ones you named were on there. So they, they have three out of 100. We have five out of 100. By comparison, Michigan has four, including the number one ranked defensive lineman, who is the uh, coincidentally the guy that's plus 2,000 for Heisman. Hutchison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's legit, he's man. Like, he's he really is, good. He's good. Uh, and, and I think all four of their uh, players are all on defense that are draft, draft yeah. board. Uh, the biggest, most talented team, according to the NFL, Georgia, by far, eight. Yeah. Eight in the hundred, so I thought that was an interesting statistic, uh, and that's there with with three on the hundred. Now, don't get me wrong; if you've got three on the hundred, and then your other eighteen are all one stars, you're in a lot of trouble. And they're not as bad; they're not as bad as one stars. Don't that, that's not what I'm saying, but that's the point I'm making is is you're even three to five you're close to being even but what does the rest of that team look like down the down yeah. the line because we have two draft eligible people that very well might go one and two next year in the draft i don't know will anderson if he does not go top five you know somebody's made a grave error and bryce young you know it'll be his third year removed from from uh, high school, so he'll be draft eligible. You know, I don't know. He's 5'10". That's fine. I don't know how tall Kyler Murray is. But, you know, if you pass on Bryce Young, do it at your own peril. But, you know, I think we're going to have more kids that are not draft eligible that will be – when they are draft eligible, they'll be in that top 100. And that begs the question, how many freshmen and sophomores does Cincinnati have that would, that would crack the top 100 next year or this year like, let's just say this year bryce young and will anderson definitely top 100 kids yes agreed. so and you know kool-aid mckinstry will definitely trend that way he's a freshman he's getting better every time he steps on the field christian harris probably yeah so uh but that's that's a good that's a good point good way to look at it you know i just i mean I'm, they I'm have gonna... some talent over there you know they're they're yeah. in the playoffs for a reason they have some <clears> talent and uh we're I mean, we're not going to be able to just show up at this game and not play and and win. I mean, well, if you're looking for respect from me, you're not going to get it. I have no <laughs> respect for that program at all. They should not be in the playoffs. Glad we drew them, and they are going to get their teeth kicked in come December 31st. I sure hope you're right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if you monitored it, but uh, luckily – they got out there and give us the playoff participants very early in the show, and then they spent the next four hours drolling on about the rest of the bowls. Have you have you had a chance to look at the matchups? Uh, I, the main one I saw was Auburn gets to visit prestigious downtown Birmingham to play the Birmingham Bowl against Houston. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fun trip. Uh, you better get your hotel rooms early on that one. <laughs> and tickets. I think it's on a Tuesday at noon, so it's going to be a tough ticket. I saw I saw there are a few interesting things that jumped out at me and I'll just be real quick with this. One, it looks like we had twelve SEC teams in the bowls this year, unless I miscounted. I also went through there and I don't think they released odds on all of them, but by my count, just in my untrained eye, I think we'll be favorites in nine of those games. So that's a, that's an interesting metric. Um 
I tell you, a team that kind of got the shaft, there's always one that really gets the shaft. BYU went 10-2 and this year, ended up number 12 in the college football rankings. Did you see their bowl matchup? I did not. They get UAB in the Independence Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> in beautiful downtown Shreveport. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, of course, we all seen this one coming a mile away. Uh, Mississippi State draws. Drum roll, please. Texas Tech, of course. Homecoming from Mike Leach. Yep. So, uh, I, I think those are the only ones that really jumped off the page as something interesting just to, just to kind of keep an eye on. But it uh, uh, should be another fun bowl season. It's always beautiful when we can sit there and just enjoy them for a few weeks before the playoffs get here. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> so who was the Rose Bowl? Is it, did Ohio State go from the Big Ten? Uh yeah yeah Utah and Ohio State right yeah I look for Ohio State to win that one big, and then uh, Ole Miss and Oklahoma State that'll be an interesting game that will be an interesting game Oregon and uh, and Oklahoma is another uh, decent matchup of course they're, they're all so, they could <laughs> both have lame duck coaches yeah yeah gosh how about the coaches we didn't even mention that. Good Lord, at the shakeup since last week. We mentioned it last week that there were some dominoes falling, but over the course of this week, I think last week we already knew that Lincoln Riley was going to yeah. USC, right? We, we missed Brian Kelly by minutes. Yeah, by minutes. Brian Kelly went to LSU. Billy Napier ends up at Florida, and now it looks for all intents and purposes that Venables is going to leave Clemson for the first it, – is that what it took? Is it took one 8-3 and three season and not getting – I mean that's what they finished, right? Eight and yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think so. One eight and three season. There's a lot of teams that would kill for that. One mediocre season, that staff's gonna fall apart. Now, and I say that, I say it's falling apart, and they were all, hey, this is just where we want to be. This is where we want to retire. This is we enjoy what we're doing here. We enjoy being coordinators. We don't want to be the head guys. And now they're all leaving the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all in one year off a, a, a little rocky start. Is there a, is there something going on over there? I, you know, I don't know. I, re- I really don't. I didn't know the offensive coordinator. Is he a head coach or is he going for a lateral move or what? They said they said that he's the leader in the clubhouse for the uh, – is it the Duke job maybe? Okay, yeah. So he'll stay in the ACC. Uh-huh. So, and uh, and that was you know that that was key to and that's going to be interesting to see what Dabo does, you know Saban rolls through coordinators like a shit through a tin horn, and we don't miss a beat. And can Dabo do the same? I really don't think he can. But his recruiting has been phenomenal. I mean, he even before he started winning, he was pulling kids. Who was the running back he pulled out of Florida, like out of uh, Tampa? And I mean, this is back when Urban Meyer was probably still at um mm-hmm. at Florida or just had just left. I mean Florida State was yeah. Jimbo was at Florida State. Yep. Yeah. And uh so he's always been able to pull and he pulled Deshaun Watson. I think he was from Georgia, pulled Trevor Lawrence from Georgia. But, you know, DJ Ungugale, whatever, he um you know, he's not lived up to the hype. I don't know who they've got. Oh, did you see that uh the kid that left, I think Quinn What's his What's his uh, last? I won't say Quinn Bowers, but it doesn't sound right. The number one quarterback for the twenty twenty two class. He ended up uh, reclassifying early and left. He's from Texas. 
went to Ohio State, got a $1 million NIL deal. I don't know who with. And he's he's in the portal because C.J. Stroud. Yeah, Quinn, wow. Quinn, e, Quinn Ewers, I think is his name. Right. He's in the portal. We need to get that dude. Every <laughs> Everybody that leaves I – mean, Joe Burrow left Ohio State. Jamison Williams left Ohio State. Get that dude. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. But, you know, the portal I, – I think the portal is – it's funny. The people who are whining about the portal – are the same ones that wanted the portal. And and they're whining about – I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The same people who are whining about coaches leaving their team high and dry. Brian Kelly left a team that if Bama gets smashed yesterday, if we if we lose 41-24, to 24, Notre Dame's in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he left early because, you know what, he is, he's on LSU's payroll – Early signing period, transfer portal, you've got to get your coach before the early signing period now. Now, look at here. Uh, props to Brian Kelly versus Lincoln Riley. Brian Kelly left what was a pretty easy job to win at to actually go to LSU and into the Lions' den. Go to LSU, a team that has finished last in the division two consecutive years and he opted to leave Notre Dame to go there. Conversely, Lincoln Riley, who has been riding a playoff streak and has got all these recruits coming to Oklahoma, all these five stars and and big time recruits, he sees the riding on the wall and bolts for an easy job in the, in, in the PAC 12. Yeah. Uh, I, that's a lot. That's I, trust me. That's 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 respect for Kelly <laughs> outside of his accent. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that was the funniest. Did one you see one of the funniest tweets I read on that? Is they thought now Ed Ogeron has to be hired by Boston College and <laughs> try to pull off a Boston accent. <laughs> That would be hilarious. <laughs> hey, one thing that I, I meant to mention when we talked about the, the, the four-team playoff, RG3, you know, Robert Griffin III, he's an analyst now, and he, he calls games, and I think he does adequate. I mean, he's definitely in the infancy of his career, and I think he's got a, a future, maybe even a bright future. But he was already complaining. Now, these are the guys – they wanted Cincinnati in. And the same people who politic to get them in, now they're pissed that they're number four. <laughs> He's like, well, and, and it's because they play Bama. They wanted, what they wanted is they wanted to somehow get Bama at four and they, they wanted Bama, Georgia to match up. They wanted Michigan, well, the easiest thing would to do would have been Bama two, Georgia three, Michigan one, and Cincinnati four because they know, they know that. Cincinnati, outside of a terrible game by either Bama or Georgia, they do not have the chance to beat an SEC team and a motivated SEC team in the playoffs. For crying out loud, Georgia beat Cincinnati last year in the Peach Bowl, and Georgia didn't care to be there. I mean, last year they wanted playoffs. You know, they they had a good team, and they beat them on a last-second field goal. Cincinnati is carrying the G5 flag. So, RG3 said he was very disappointed. I wish I would just written down the quote, but I was at my dad's and, and I didn't rewind it. 
he said, you know, disappointed that, that Cincinnati's number four. I, yeah, I think at 13 to no, I mean, you've won all your games. You know, I, I think you should be not number four. I'm like, dude, you're lucky they're even in the freaking playoffs. They're, like, that yeah. that's the mentality. That's the mentality that would blow – that's going to blow this up because they don't deserve to be there at 13 to no. They've played absolutely no one outside of Notre Dame. Oh, sorry, they did play Indiana when people thought they were good. <laughs> but, you know, like I said weeks ago, it, you let them in the playoffs, and if, if we stay at four teams, I think we'll go to 12 as quickly as we can. You stay at four teams, you let the G5, you let Central Florida go 13-0 next year and make it. You let the year after that, you let um, BYU go 13-0 and make the playoffs. You're going to have these middle-of-the-pack conference teams begging to get into the AAC or whatever, just so, oh, all you got to do is go 13-0, beat a very per- perennially overrated Notre Dame team, and you're in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. screw you, RG3. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. I take umbrage <laughs> with that. <laughs> all right, Tom, I, I don't have an outline, so are we done? I think I think we're done. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking forward to breaking down the the both playoff games, and I'll just give you a a quick uh, a a quick heads up. Michigan's gonna have a lot of trouble with Georgia. A lot of trouble. Uh, I wish you wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) They are. I'm I'm afraid they're gonna have an unbelievable amount of trouble. But we'll 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 get into that. in two weeks, I guess. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a much needed break. I mean, this is this this podcast is so taxing on our on us mentally and physically. Please respect our time off in this time of need. <laughs> and uh, but we will see you again on or around uh, what do we say? December wouldn't be the twenty seventh, would it? Uh, the twentieth, I think, is what we were looking at. Okay, that'll work. You know, so we're definitely taking next week off, but. Uh, Congrats oh, and, to, and yeah, the Bama basketball team. Come on. I'm not charging, you're charging. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is this right here. Yesterday was a bad day to be a G Bulldog. It was, no <laughs> doubt. Congrats to the team. They they upended Gonzaga at Seattle. So a very nice win for Oates. I mean, if we put it together. We can we can go really deep in the in the tournament this year, which is exciting. So uh, I guess that is it. Congrats to Alabama, 2021 SEC champs. Congrats to all the conference champions. It's it's always good when you can hoist that trophy and you're the best in your division, even if it's a crap division like the AAC. But we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. And Tom, even though the season's regular season's over, remember if you're gonna hate Auburn, you gotta hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Old time. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades?